Well, good morning, Grace people. It's good to be with you this morning. Before the first service, I had a whole lot of cold brew. And uh, I was talking about a million miles an hour, and the sermon still went long, so buckle in. (laughs) But uh, they say uh, coffee reached Europe in 1515, and the uh, the Reformation was in 1517, so beware a caffeinated preacher. <laughs> uh, I'm glad at least seven of you found that funny. All right, today we are reaching the end of John's gospel. We're hitting major stories in the Bible since September on our Route 66 journey, and we've been parked in John since January, and there's good reason for that. If we are Jesus' people, then we need to know Jesus' story Um, John wrote his gospel account for one reason, that we would believe. Now, if you are familiar with the show Ted Lasso, anybody out there? Any, any, yeah, no, like three. Okay, great. Uh, If you've seen this sign, you're probably familiar with Ted Lasso. I won't say a whole lot about the show except uh, just kind of the premise. He's an American peewee football coach who sort of had a miraculous championship uh, victory and so was invited to premier, uh, to coach Premier League European football, which is actually soccer, which he's never coached before and knows nothing about. Comedy ensues, of course. Uh, but his whole uh, invitation to his team is that if you want a miracle to happen, you have to believe. So here is where Ted Lasso and John the gospel writer overlap is that their first priority before anything else is that you would believe. However, John's belief isn't just about winning games or championships, but rather that you would believe in Jesus and find life in his name. Um, so we're going to get into our last story that we're going to cover from John before we move into Acts as we continue through the story. Now, it's been one week since we in this room have celebrated Easter. Today is also Orthodox Easter, so happy Easter to those who celebrate that today. Uh, But in our story, the weird thing is, even though we're one week removed right now, we're just one, uh, a few hours past the morning. So Mary, uh, Jesus saw Mary at the tomb. The disciples saw that the tomb was empty. That's where we're at, right? And then everybody runs off and scatters somewhere. That same day, we're going to jump into the story. So you can imagine this. Now, on the evening of that very first day, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive anyone, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 disciples, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put the hand to the side, I will not believe. Well, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. 
Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the end of the story there. There's lots going on here, so let's just look at the story itself. All right, first, the disciples are locked away. They've heard Jesus is gone and they're scared and hiding because his fate could be theirs. They're like, we don't know what happened to the body of Jesus. They might come after us. Jesus came to them anyway, despite the locked door. He has, and Jesus' body has a body that both bears the scars and yet can move through locked doors. And he says, peace be with you, because that's just terrifying. In fact, he has to tell them twice. All of a sudden, he just shows up. Jesus puts the disciples on mission. He breathes his Holy Spirit on them. And I have to wonder, was it like a birthday candle blowing out sort of thing? Or was it more like fogging a mirror? I don't know. It's not important, but these are the things I think about when I read the Bible. And now you have to, too. But he tells them they have power to forgive sins or not. I'm, I'm not going to touch on that in itself today, but you can research that because it's interesting. Thomas wasn't there. We don't know where he was, but he seemed to be the only one gone. And he couldn't believe what the others were telling him about Jesus. Would you? I mean, he asks for hard proof. I'll believe it when I see it. Have you been there? Because I have. One week passes. What happened during that week? What happened? What was it like? I can't imagine what it was like even for Thomas. Everybody around him is saying, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas is like, I missed it. Boo, I was buying matzah. <laughs> Jesus appears to Thomas. He shows up and he shows him his hands and his side. And Thomas exclaims, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, you believe because you see he doesn't make him feel bad about it, but he says, you believe because you see. Blessed are those who believe, but they haven't seen, which is John's message to his community that he's writing for, because by now, all the people that, most of the people that had seen Jesus in his earthly ministry would have passed away by now. They would have been gone. So John is writing this, or yeah, John is writing this for the next generation, those people who never got a chance to meet Jesus. And his message is also for us here today. Well, John wraps his story by saying he wrote so that you and I may believe in Jesus and that by believing we may have life in his name. And that's really kind of how John bookends his gospel. There is one more chapter. Uh, it's kind of an epilogue to the story. Uh, John meets Peter on the beach, uh, tells him to feed his sheep. Uh, but this kind of effectively ends uh, John's gospel. And, and at the beginning, he starts the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. He goes on the whole deal, and he, he kind of gets to about verse 13 and says, basically, I'm writing these things down so that you can believe. In the beginning of First uh, John, he starts very similarly. I, I write to you concerning the word of life, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we've heard with our ears, that we've handled with our, hell, with our hands and we've tasted like all these things I'm writing so that you may believe. This is John's deal. 
He is an evangelist. He wants people to believe. But how does belief happen? It's one of our big questions for today. How does belief happen? How does one go from unbelieving to believing? This is John's entire purpose in writing. He figured, he must have figured that for some people having an eyewitness account, a testimony of what he actually saw with his eyes and his ears and, and held, uh, that by testifying like a witness in court lays out the eyewitness evidence uh, of actually being there, people might do more than just say, well, that's a nice story, uh, but instead might come to do one thing, believe. Do you believe? Oh, I hear that. I hear that. The first service, they don't really do anything usually, and they said yes, and I was shocked. <laughs> so praise God. But I'll, ask, I'll answer again, and if you do, yes. Do you believe? Yes. Oh, great. And in this room, uh, there may be some who do not yet believe or maybe are sliding in and out of belief because that happens, and it's happened to me throughout my life. So that's not something to be scared of, but it is something to pursue. You know, let's find answers for those questions. Um, and for some people, believing some in Jesus, it's actually not new. Jesus had plenty of followers in the Gospel of John uh, who, were, who were following them. They were looking for signs. There's a turning point in John chapter 6. John 6, the sort of called the bread of life discourse. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. And we kind of see his interpretation of this in the Last Supper. Uh, but before that, they didn't really have that. So this just kind of freaks a lot of people out. And they, they, they sort of ask him like, really, Jesus? And he doubles down and he triples down. He's like, this is what I'm saying. This is what it means to follow me. And a lot of people turned around and were like, nah, I'm out. It was a hard teaching. People couldn't wrap their heads around it. So they walked away. Interestingly, from this point on in John's gospel, anyone who calls him or who is called a disciple is someone devoted to Jesus, someone who has given allegiance to him. The people, the remaining, they believe. But how does belief happen? Back to that question. Do you just decide? Is it something you will yourself into? You're like, okay, I've gathered all, all the information and the pressure is on me to figure out whether I believe or not. Thankfully, no, we're not responsible to do all of that for ourselves. The, the pressure is off of us to figure it out because as Paul the Apostle tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is literally how we are able to believe. Are there other factors at play? Of course, we need to hear the gospel proclaimed. We receive God's promise of salvation through baptism. Our faith is sustained through receiving bread and wine at communion. The Holy Spirit works in each of those and through those different means. But make no mistake about it, you are not the one responsible to birth faith in yourself. Thank God. I'm going to steal some of Pastor Darren's words. Without Jesus, well, this is from the Bible. Without Jesus, we are dead in our sins. Pastor Darren's words are, dead people can't do anything. <laughs> For you to make a move from dead to living again, something outside of you has to do the work. So cue the Holy Spirit. You can imagine, right? Dead people can't do anything. 
That's Pastor Darren face. I really appreciate what Martin Luther has to say in the catechism about the Spirit's work as the sanctifier, the one who makes us holy. And this is kind of a side note. I don't know if you've ever read like the book of Concord. It's all the Lutheran doctrine and theology. I never had. It's a really thick book, but I took a class in it last semester and I was like, this is pretty good. Yeah, turns out these old dead people had really smart things to say about God. All right, so when we could profess our faith through the Apostles' Creed, kind of help me understand some of what we say there. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. You've heard this before. Martin Luther summarizes this and essentially says, uh, calls this the third article, the first being about the Father, the second being about the Son, the third, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, what he, what he does, the Holy Spirit brings me into the church. The Holy Spirit makes me a saint within Jesus' family. The Holy Spirit points me to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, will raise me from death with a glorified body, even into eternal life. He does all that. And my job, it's not to do all those things. It's, it's to believe. And he does that in us too. The Holy Spirit does. Really, rather than just saying believe, it's almost like we receive. We receive faith. We open ourselves to receive that. We receive and trust Jesus. And I think that's what John, the evangelist, is getting at. More than just belief as an intellectual assent or agreement, like, yeah, okay, I guess so. Uh, he's, he's saying, I wrote down all these things so that you would trust Jesus with and for your life. That's why I'm spilling so much ink on papyrus. That's my deal. All right, so in order to believe, we first need the Holy Spirit working on our behalf, and he's doing that, thank God. Second, we need someone to proclaim to us. Romans 10, 14 to 15 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe if they haven't heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless someone is sent? Now, can God break in and do miraculous revelations of himself apart from preaching and proclaiming? Yeah, God can do what God wants. But for most of us, we had to hear somebody tell us, hey, guess what? God loves you and you are forgiven of your sins through Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you receive that? And this is the mission from Jesus John has taken up by writing his testimony on Jesus' life. This is the way that John says, okay, Jesus gave me this mission. I'm going to do it by writing my testimony. Uh, he's on the mission that uh, Jesus gave him. And, and if we look back in that locked room with the disciples hiding in there, right? Jesus puts them all on mission. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Go. Don't just stay in this locked room. Tell people their sins are forgiven. Give them the opportunity to receive life from me. So how do people believe? First, the Holy Spirit inspires faith. Second, a person hears the gospel that Jesus has forgiven their sins. And that can be enough. People can hear the gospel. People can hear that good news and receive it and believe it and say, yeah, that's for me. For most of us, many of us, I don't know, it's hard to say. I don't have the data. For me and for a lot of us, it takes more. Uh, there's one more step, and I'd really like to call it an on-ramp rather than a step. Um, it's, it's an invitation. An invitation. 
an invitation into life. I think we have all been in those situations where, you know, I could use stuff going on at church, right? There's an event happening at the church. Maybe it's like a, a, women, a women's event uh, or, or a, whatever. We'll stick with a women's event. And it's like, oh, that's cool. There's a women event going on. And then some woman comes up to you, another woman, and says, would you like to come to this event? And you go, oh, me? Would, would I like, I'm invited? You want me there? How delightful. Because that's how women are. Uh, <laughs> but the idea is, the idea, if that YouTube clip gets out there, I'm in such trouble. <laughs> uh, but the idea is, when we're invited to something, even we already know we're accepted to it and expected to be there, when we get invited, it all of a sudden becomes personal. Oh, this is to me. This is about me. I am, I am invited. You want me there? I can be part of that? Wow. That's amazing. It's this, this invitation piece. And the church has this word for it. It's called evangelism, which is to tell people the gospel and invite them in. Now, I personally do not have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Some people do. Um, they, can, they can go up to people, have a conversation with them, turn it in a Jesus sort of way, and people respond, in, in, and stuff happens. I don't, I, I'd like to say uh, I do believe that people like Joe and Lisa Ehrman do have that gift. Um, I do not. I have gifts of talking and holding you captive. <laughs> I don't know if that's true either, but I've been part of the journey, the spiritual journey for a lot of people. Even if I have not been responsible for pe taking people from no faith to faith and in partnership with the Holy Spirit, you know, I've been part of the journey and we can all do that. And I'm so thankful I've learned over the years that I don't save people. Jesus does that. Jesus saves people. Pastor Darren preached back in October, God is the God of every generation. You know, and we worry about, you know, are my kids grasping this faith and is it my responsibility? It's like, well, you, you teach them, but like God saves people. You don't save people. Um, so our responsibility, you know, uh, is, to, is to, to invite belief, to testify to what God has done. John's gospel is a great example of testimony. He just tells it like he sees it, and he invites people to believe. You don't have to be an evangelist per se. Some people are, uh, and that's amazing. Um, but we're just invited to testify and see what God does with that. And I wonder if there might be some people in our congregation who are gifted with evangelism. You have a spiritual gift of evangelism that God's given you, but you don't know because you've never tried. That is absolutely possible. That's not a condemnation. It's an invitation. See if God does that through you. Wouldn't that be exciting? You find out, wow, I've been an evangelist this whole time. Now I'm going to drop another, you know, big one here. It's going to be a paradigm shift. This might be a lot to handle. Uh, I'm 100% convinced, this might be contentious, I'm 100% convinced that the best way to bring people into faith is not inviting them to church on Sunday. This is what you've heard your whole life, right? And I want people to know, Jesus, I'm going to bring them to church on Sunday. I'm convinced that's not the best way. Is it bad? Absolutely not. We're the people of God pouring out the praises of God in the presence of God. And to see that is amazing. And God can do that. That said, in this cultural moment, inviting people to church is not necessarily how people are coming to know Jesus. And this is the, 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 the new front door. Are you ready? There's a new front door. It's not church on Sunday. This is going to blow your mind. You're going to be like, Dan, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But ready? 
lean in, lean in really close. I'm going to tell you, you know what it is? The new front door is you. It's you. It's you. It's, it's, it's you. Say, it's me. It's me. Hi, I'm evangelist. It's me. That's my second Taylor Swift reference in two sermons. I'm out of here. Oh, but it's true. You are the new front door. You know why? Because people see you every day. They talk to you. They work with you. They go to school with you. Uh, you play together. You have fun together. You, you, uh, you're with these people. And if they see Jesus in you, that's the front door into faith. That's the way that you get to, to be. And that's, that's great news. If it weren't uh, you, Jesus wouldn't have said, go and make disciples. He would have said, guess what? You're in and you're off the hook. Do nothing. Wouldn't that be great? But instead, he gives a command. He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. This is what you do. This is what I do. And we do it trusting that God is the one who makes the change and we're the ones who make the invitation. God is the one who makes the change. We're the ones who make the invitation. God is the one who makes the and we are the one who make the invitation. How? Well, here's some potential conversation starters. Hey, what do you think about Jesus? Or, hey, have you ever wanted to read the Bible? I'm, I'm reading through it, and I was thinking maybe I could have somebody who might be interested in uh, just seeing what this whole book's about. Um, or uh, asking somebody, who do you have spiritual conversations with? You know, that's an interesting one. Um, I got a text after the first service because somebody who... who um, he texted me, he said, hey, do you play drums? Because like a month ago, I was walking in Starbucks and I just felt this Holy Spirit compulsion to ask this guy I saw drumming on the table uh, about himself and if I thought maybe, maybe he might need a church and they've been coming for like six weeks. Uh, this is what the Holy Spirit does. Like you just, you, God makes the change, you make the invitation. Um, so opening up the conversation can be really hard though if you think your job is to convert people. It, it's not. God makes the change. We make the invitation. We testify like John does to who Jesus is. And, and let me tell you this. If you invite somebody into faith or you, you invite them down the path and they uh, decline, they're like, nah, I'm good. Uh, that's okay. Nobody told me that early in my faith. And I, the first guy, I was like, hey, so do you want to follow Jesus? He's like, I don't think I'm ready to do that. It devastated me because nobody prepped me for how to handle that. And I like, didn't even know how to approach the guy after that. Pretty sure that ruined the whole relationship. But uh, it's okay. You just say, all right. You know, cause some people need more time. Some people need more information. Some people are just at a different spot. But we, we, we plant the seeds. Paul says, I plant the seeds. Apollo swatters and God causes the growth. We trust in God to bring the change. We bring the invitation. I responded, uh, I received uh, Jesus in a very direct invitation. Um, I was at a youth conference and the guy was up on the platform and I was, I was right after my 10th grade year, between 10th and 11th grade, summer conference, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, send a bunch of teenagers to a beach and tell them about Jesus. It's a terrible idea. So the second year I went was when I finally was like, I'm going to give this God thing a shot because I'm living with one foot in church and one foot in the world and my whole soul and spirit are being torn apart and I don't know what to do about this. So I'm going to try to listen and see what God might have for me here. And this guy basically said, do you want to, you know, he's in the platform, thousand kids. If you want, if you just feel like you're, and he like, it was like you read my mail. If you're feeling like you're living one way, but doing another and you're saying these things and you, but you want to, you want to be there. You want to commit to Jesus. 
Jesus. Today's your day. Let's do this. And I was like, that's me. Um, I, I did the walk down the aisle thing. I cried on a dude. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> Not everybody's conversion is so dramatic. Uh, and I don't want to miss an opportunity here, though. Maybe, maybe for you, that direct invitation is what you need. And I, I know for a ton of people in here, you've been following Jesus your whole life. Uh, you, you're baptized into Christ, and you're there. Um, for a room this size, there might be some that haven't, and I hope there are because God loves you, and this is where you're hearing the proclamation of the gospel, and the invitation is to respond, and I pray and hope that you would do that. You can do that today, uh, even if you still have questions, doubts. Uh, none of us, when we come to faith, have all the answers. We continue to get them as we have more questions, and you will have more questions your entire life. It doesn't stop. Uh, you just get more difficult and more harder questions. Um, but the hope is that you have a community of faith that God has pulled you into um, through the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can ask those tough questions and, and not be met with rebuke for having questions, but be met with, yeah, oh, let's figure that out. Let's ask God about it. God's invitation to you is available to you as soon as you're willing to receive it. And uh, I love what one person said about it. And they said, you know, when it comes to faith, when it comes to, to receiving Christ, take as long as you need to be sure. And not a minute longer. Once you hit that point, jump in, two feet, life starts there. So if this is you today, I sincerely hope that, uh, that you can do that. And we, we have a few options to help you take next steps. One is uh, you might be wanting to walk with somebody. We've got a whole group of faith mentors. People were trained up in, uh, in walking alongside people. They're not the answer people, but they're the people to walk alongside with. And here's an example of who those people are. They can talk to you one-on-one -on -one about following Jesus, not be weird about it. They're cool. I like these people. They're fun. But if you think I'm weird, then sorry. They might be weird. Uh, you can talk to Hannah. You can talk to me. You can talk to one of the pastors. You can grab a person next to you. Just tell somebody if you're ready to move forward in your relationship with Jesus. And, and the reason we don't do a raise your hand or, or walk down to the front is because, as uh, Steve Turnbull used to say, we don't want people to make, have to make two decisions. You know, you're, you're not less valid if you're sitting in your seat and you say, yeah, Jesus, I, I receive you here and now. Um, but we do want you to tell somebody. And today is a great day to believe. John tells his story so that you would believe. I told mine, uh, hoping that you will believe. And, and in that spirit, uh, we're going to pray. Father, <sighs> Holy Spirit, you're, you're doing things in people's hearts. You always are. And today you may be doing something unique in somebody's heart here, somebody online, somebody who watches this 10 days later. I don't know. But we trust that you are making the change. Oh, Father, thank you for your invitation. Thank you for the way that you invite us to be part of your family, that you draw us to you. And I pray that even today, faith would be stirred up and birthed in our, in our children, in our teens, in our young adults, in our regular adults, in our more advanced adults. Uh, would you stir up faith? And if this is, uh, if you want some words to mark your believing journey, if, if, if you've never received Christ before and you want to today, you can borrow these, these words. They're not magic words. Uh, but Jesus, I receive you today. I believe in you. I trust you for the forgiveness of my sins and for life. Thank you for your invitation. Please surround me with people who can help me take next steps toward you. 
Speak to me by your spirit, through your scriptures, and through people who love you. Help me to follow you. Holy Spirit, for all the, all the different heart states in this room, we offer ourselves to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.